product and, and the team but it just stems from the fact that this organization is lazy and i think that that's their biggest problem yeah they can't see things through they've got you know attention deficit where they 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 focus on one thing but then they quickly lose interest and they and they go in a different direction or they get distracted by something else it's hard to do things the right way and it takes effort and it takes commitment and it takes concentration and you got to stick to your guns and see it through. If this team is going to be lousy and I, we've heard the excuse of, well, this team is does fans of this team don't have the stomach for a rebuild. You know what? May be true. I'm already watching them lose. You may as well find a direction that you're going to lose for. (laughs) Right. So the, the whole thing is, is, you as an organization have to make it so that it is less painful for the fans to go through that rebuild and that process. Cause it's not going to be easy for anybody. It's not easy for the team. They're losing money. They're, they're not marketing players. It's not easy for the players. It's not easy for their families and the coaches and the fans. So what do you have to do? I listened to a discussion on, uh, 32 thoughts and Jeff Merrick was talking about the San Jose Sharks and they were uh, going to be interviewing and hiring a new GM relatively soon. I think once the season is over or whatever. And one of the big things that he said that is big on the owner's list is community relations. Yes. They're in a situation where they're kind of in limbo and they've got a lot of big contracts and, it's going to be really hard to kind of squeeze their way out of that. And that was a perennial playoff team as well. Yeah, for but, years. But they're coming up with ideas like, let's have a giant ball hockey tournament. Let's invite kids. They're let's one of the teams that families. are hiring local artists for their special event jerseys as well. Oh, right. Cool. Yeah. So in other, in other words, they're making links to the community. They're, they're extending connections and they're, actually you know giving people jobs they're bringing people a reason to continue to support the team they're putting their brand and their name on people's consciousness let's the san jose sharks are planning this ball hockey thing and it's like that's great because it's california it's hot let's just get kids out there because you want young kids to say mom dad i want to go to this i want to go see the sharks game that's how you get young kids to be into hockey. That's how you get young fans. And then at the same time, at this Flyers team needs to fix, do stuff like that for the kids, but then figure out, you know what? We're going to do an alumni game and we're going to do it right. Because we know that there's a lot of hard to put it on TV. Fans. Right. Yeah, God, it's and, and, and you could even give like tickets for like $10 and donate it to charity or do whatever you want to do. But 
Have it so that you have things for the older and established fans. You've got things for the new fans. You've got things for families. You've got the Flyers Wives Carnival. You've got autograph sessions. You've got a day or a weekend where, you know what, they go up to Lehigh Valley and they spend time in the Phantoms facility and they actually meet people associated with the Phantoms and their fans and those people in that community. Because, again, if a, if you, Dan, won't make a, a two-hour drive to go watch the Flyers, I can imagine a lot of people are thinking the same thing. Well, based and on the attendance, you, nobody's making the drive, whether you're two hours or five minutes up the fucking road. Right. But the thing is that this takes planning and commitment yeah. and it's hard work. Yeah. And you've got to make sure that these events like, you know, the hockey fights, cancer nights and the pride nights and the hockey is for everyone nights and, and black history month and all of these different things are paid attention to. And yes, that means that your star Wars night or your Marvel comics night, you know what? Good. If people have fun at those games and events and it brings people in, do it and have fun doing it. But you got to commit to it and you've got to make it that we want families, we want young people, and we want the established fans. And we need to do things for all three of those groups because we can't afford to look and ignore any segment of people because we are competing in a market now where the Eagles are going to be improved and they made the playoffs. So that's already dollars out the door. You've got the 76ers are in the playoffs. They're, you're competing against them. They play the same time that the Flyers do. Same time of year. Now you got the Phillies. Imagine the Phillies now have a good season. Like, there's only a certain amount of money and a certain amount of fans. So the Flyers really have to get their acting gear and really make it a point to re-engage and connect with the people. And it's been my fucking crusade against this organization all season long is like like you can hate Dan the Flyer fan all you want I don't particularly give a shit but like I represent your average fan a diehard guy I'm not a season ticket holder and I'm not a credentialed media member I'm just a fucking dude with a website and a podcast whom thousands of people every week consume my content right <laughs> when I criticize your pride night and am I told in response fuck you we did it right you're not building any bridges they're not interested in trying to be better about that and like you know the Ed Snyder thing like they tried I was told when they did not mention his birthday for the fucking sixth year in a row well, I was told afterwards they would not ignore it again and for what it's worth they didn't they acknowledged his yep. his, his passing Great, you fucking finally acknowledged you, the guy exists. Awesome. But, like, the fact that you got to that point in the first place where there was public outcry that you ignored him for six fucking years is ridiculous. You know, and I put a huge section of that in the step-by-step -step, uh, simple rebuild, whatever the fuck I titled that piece, and I re-plugged it this week. Like, the immersive theme nights, the giveaways, the public appearances, the ticket holder benefits... While simultaneously focusing less on gritty and shoving that down our throat. Like, there's a way to do this. To mend some bridges. Especially if you're in for the rebuild and you're in for sucking for the next, like, five years. You gotta start doing some serious repairs to this fan base. Like, you have, you have ruined this for so many people. 
Even if you didn't entirely mean to do it, I'm sure Val Camillo and company did not go, man, we are gonna fuck the common fan on this one. Like, I'm sure that wasn't their intent, but by God, did they do a good job of it. Like... You gotta start taking your L's on this one. When people criticize you, don't fucking send me a cease and desist letter. Okay? Go out there and try and get better. When I say, hey, you fucked up Pride Night, go, what can we do better next time? And actually implement those ideas! There is a bar that is being risen across the league for this shit. For theme nights, whether it be Pride Night or Black History or Chinese New Year, whatever it is... Most teams are starting to take this more and more and more seriously. The Vancouver Canucks do a great job of it. The Sharks do a great job of it. I have two Curtis Gabriel jerseys in the other room. One for Black History and one from... I don't remember what the other one was. Uh, Diversity Night, whatever the fuck it was. I can get them. They're beautiful jerseys. But they're designed by local artists. They're designed... One of them is designed from somebody in the organization. Who is... uh, It's just... (laughs) You can do this stuff. And it doesn't cost anything to do you know what i mean and if it does fucking blow it out your ass put on dave scott's blank check you know like repairing the bridges you have burned with people like me is the only way why do you think so many people the season take order has given up why do you think your building is empty every night it's not even just because you have a shitty product it's because nobody gives a shit about your team it's so... I just... I don't get it. You're, the, the, how bad things are, and for what it's worth, I do think they're finally getting the message and trying. But, like, god damn it, man. The fact that it's gotten so bad, the fact that you are not at even, you're you know six feet underground right now, and have to climb your way back out just to get back to that even level, it's so sad. You know, it's not just the on-ice product that failed with the Flyers. It's the behind-the-scenes shit, too. It's the off-ice stuff. It's the shit where, as a fan, where I don't feel like I'm cared about. Because I'm not! They don't give a shit. You know? It's sad. It sucks that it's gotten so goddamn bad. But here we are. You know? And the building to relate... Like, this shouldn't be fucking rocket science. You know? It's just... They don't... they, they, They don't feel interested in doing it. You know? No, and and for me, and those are some very good points. And for me, the thing that I've noticed going down to the Wells Fargo Center, you know, quite often over the years, is that it's it's not a culture of hockey. They're not like they're doing everything possible to divert your attention from actual yes. hockey. Yeah. In terms of obviously whether it's gritty or whether it's other things going on in the concourse you know like a new flavor of chicken finger or something or (laughs) or some shit like that like for example like when you go to like a like a hockey game and it's probably like this up in canada maybe i haven't been up there for games but like there should be like in the winter time they should put like a rink up like outside like next door like in one of the parking lots which they could do at the link because there's lots there they don't use for flyers games like put up a like a hockey rink or like an ice skating rink during the season and, you know, run tournaments out of there, kind of like alluding to your ball hockey thing you mentioned with the Sharks, Manny. Like, make it a hockey environment around there so people come to do things associated with hockey to get interested in what's going on. Whereas right now, it's about, you know, listening to circus trance and watching Gritty <laughs> fuck himself in the concourse and dump popcorn on people and, and just all these ancillary things that literally – have nothing to do with the Flyers or hockey, but they are attention grabbers for various things and, and various people that, that don't want to watch hockey, 
but just want to see some stupid thing, some dumb glitz for five seconds and get entertained that way. Like they need to marry the experience with hockey. That's the problem. And that's also where I think Val Camillo has failed miserably. She may be a very good executive in terms of like entertaining people and making things happen at an arena, but she's not good at marrying that with hockey. Yeah. That's what this is about. That's why Ed Snyder was good at that sort of stuff. And that's why I think a lot of Canadian markets are better at that as well. It's just my, you know, my sense on it. But that's where the team is failing miserably. And the more that they, that they do this circus environment and separate hockey from the experience, the worse this is going to get. And it's never going to become one unified experience again. Yeah, I mean, even even to continue going back to what we were talking about a couple of minutes ago, where, where you want hockey to be synonymous, and more specifically, Flyers hockey to be synonymous with the city of Philadelphia. And when you go and reach out and make inroads into the community and do those things, Mike, like building a rink uh, in, in some you know parking lots in the wintertime, or whatever the case may be, there's there's got to be a ton of things that the brain trust can think of to do things for kids and schools and and all kinds of different things. I mean, listen, the rink that they uh, foot the bill for that they're going to you know build um, in one of the lower income areas of the Philadelphia area. I forget what the city's name was. It's not. Philadelphia, yeah, it's I forget. But they do that with Ed Snyder Youth Hockey Foundation. All right. The time. And that's so. positive. That is to be commended. There's so much more, though, that they can do and that they should do. And the more that they do do, the more that it becomes, uh, well, okay, the Flyers aren't really doing that great, but at least you'll get rid of a lot of the the venom and the stuff of the people like, just, no, I'm never having season tickets again. Or, no, I'm not going to be doing this. Or I'm not buying, you know, this. And it's like, you don't want that to happen. And that's the thing that people kind of forget about ed snyder is that for him it was family and he cared and it meant so much more because there was a link with him and the flyers to the city and that identity with the city like it was just multiple layers of connection and those connections are kind of severed and frayed right now oh they're gone they don't exist anymore that's what i mean this team's got a a ton of work to do and just the on ice stuff is one thing i think there's a ton of work to do on the off ice and that's actually even more important there's more work to do off ice than there is on ice right now yeah yeah and i think it's actually more important yeah and and, you know i use the 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 evil billionaire owner example on, on flyers ad a couple weeks ago like if you had a good hockey team if this team was as good as the leafs right now like Dave Scott can be the evil billionaire asshole owner and do dumb shit, and it wouldn't take nearly the heat because you have a good on ice product. But you cannot be the evil asshole billionaire owner (laughs) with a shitty product on the ice because fucking then nobody's going to care, right? If you had, like, if Snyder was still alive and that family environment was still here, like. The Flyers would suck, but I don't think it would be nearly as bad. It wouldn't feel as bad, you know? There would be things happening that aren't right now. You've just you've spent so many years trying to bury the past and bury what used to be and get rid of your diehard fans. I don't know why 
that was the goal. And even if it wasn't the fucking goal, everything you, you know, did chased everybody away. I mean, the fact that I'm sitting here ready to fucking never turn on a hockey game again because of you assholes, you know, your on-ice product and how shitty this organization is, that's not good. That's not good. I, I don't know why they're so proud of what they do. I, I just don't understand how you can <laughs> just assess where your business is at and go, yeah, this is a good direction. You know, on ice product aside, you know, cause that can be fixed. It's what you're doing off the ice and the complete lack of interest. And like hire a group of fucking fans that can filter your ideas. You know, if you want to put up a new sound system, have people sit around the arena and play your fucking circus transit, you know, max all the way up. And if they go, God damn it, this sucks ass, listen to them! You know? Run your ideas for your theme nights past these people, and if they think it sucks, then it sucks and try something different. You know, I, I just don't... I, I, this isn't... This shouldn't be this hard! You know? It shouldn't be impossible to go, man, how do we get people interested in Flyers hockey? You have 55 years of history to look back on here, you assholes! How did you fucking do it for the first 45 years of existence? And what the fuck have you done wrong in the last 10? You know? <laughs> go back and watch some old games, go back and read some old press from that time. Like, what the fuck were they doing in 2010 that you're not doing in 2020? You know, figure it out and try and rebuild those bridges. <laughs> like, if the three of us can sit here and figure this out, why can't the people that are getting paid six figures a year figure it out? Because they don't have the passion. Like, honestly, think about all the stuff that we talk about when we meet every two weeks and how fiery we can get and opinionated about my ass off. And we somehow find a way to talk about this team and different issues for three hours plus in the course of a Friday evening. And we still can come up with other things to talk about because we, we like it. We like talking about it and we try to think about, Oh yeah. And in a couple of months, like this is what's going to happen. They could go in this direction. This could like, we talk about all these things all the time. They don't have that passion. <laughs> I cannot see Dave Scott and all those other people having any freaking clue about any of this stuff. No, yeah. And 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 to go back to your point about if if Dave Scott was a billionaire and the team, you know, was doing well, nobody would care if he was an asshole. Got the best example is Robert Kraft. The dude yeah. got a happy ending at a massage <laughs> parlor. And people in Boston are like, ah, who cares? That was the best thing that ever happened to that chick. You know, like like who cares? He's the he owns the Pats and Tom Brady and all that stuff. They don't care because he's given that city how many Super Bowls? Six? Is it six? Something like that. So. Nobody cares. Like literally, it's it's the old adage. Like that guy can literally throw somebody down the stairs, and everyone will just look the other way. Robert Kraft would not get a speeding ticket in that city if he was racing down, you know, into the tunnel to Logan Airport or something, and a cop stopped him. He'd be like, "I'm sorry, Mister Kraft, you can go ahead." They, he would not get a ticket. Tom Brady would not get a ticket in in the city of Boston. He just wouldn't. Dave Scott would get thrown in fucking jail in this city. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a that'd be war crimes against the Philadelphia Flyers. I mean, they liquidated 
all of the good people in the Peter Lugo yeah. era that had been groomed in the Flyers' heyday to understand what the organization meant, how they do business, how they treat people, what they mean to the city. And they eradicated everybody when Dave Scott and Val Camillo came in to redo. They replaced them with their and, people. Yeah, yeah, and reset how the organization thinks and conducts business. So until that changes, anybody in PR that's going to reach out is just an empty, vapid voice as far as I'm concerned. In fact, I'd probably be more productive watching paint dry than discussing <laughs> anything with someone in that department, given the circumstances and nature of the Flyers management group right now. <laughs> it's just like, you know, I've been to enough games. I, I know the facility well. I know how things operate there. Very, very integrated um, over the past 8, 10, 12 years with what's happened there. There's nothing that anyone in PR can tell me that I don't already know or understand from a fan season ticket holder and commentator perspective. <laughs> so it's just like, like they, like they pitch stuff. Oh yeah, we'll give you free tickets. You know, distribute. You can come. We don't get sit free tickets. In, is the you can come sit up in some shit press box or something. It's like, I'd rather pay my own way and do it my way than get something for free that sucks that I don't want. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that that I think that's where I you know I think that's what makes me uh, the brotherly brand in general unique from everybody else is everyone else wants the press passes and they want to you know be we love this organization and you know they just want to kiss ass yeah. and grow that way and I'm like I have no interest in that man I, I sat in that traffic I sat in that parking lot way too many times wasted too many hours of my life I'm yeah. done with that. <laughs> like. I don't live in Philly anymore. Like, I'm not driving two hours, three times a fucking week to watch the Flyers lose from a press box just so I can sit in on a press conference and get a player quote that seven other people are going to tweet out, you know, from some random thing. It doesn't do it for me. You know, I, I, I just, especially if I have to fucking live by, you know, these rules of I can't criticize the goddamn team, you know, bullshit. I, I just, that's not me. That's not what I want to do. I'm just a fucking fan. You know, I'm just a dude with a very successful website and a very successful podcast talking about the Flyers. That's all I fucking want. And the reason I'm successful is because that's what most other people want, too! You know? They just want somebody to call out the bullshit when they see the bullshit. I, I just... Fuck. I, I, I have no interest in press pass. I have no interest in, in fucking selling out. It's just not what I want to do. If I wanted it, I would want it. And, and if I don't have press passes, what the fuck am I talking to the PR department for? You know? You keep those people under control, not me. That fucking pissed me off with those Giroux tickets for the thousandth game that every other fucking media outlet got them except us. You're fucking watching me like a hawk and listening to all of our shows and fucking yelling at me when I say something wrong. But when it comes time to do something nice and extend the olive branch, you're not giving me shit. Be, well, you're not credentialed. Well, okay, then leave me the fuck alone. You know, credentialed. I love their 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 threshold for being credentialed is a fucking joke. It's so like, I <laughs> I talked about like, this on one of the shows. I don't remember which one it was. When we when I was started with Philly's Flyer in 2016, I guess it would have been 16-17 season. We tried we tried to apply for press passes and we didn't get them because we were too small. Here we are in fucking 2022, and there are just random fucking podcasts who have 100 followers on Twitter that are credentialed. And it's like, how is that po 
impossible. You know, like the no, bar it's... has fallen so low. And no, granted, journalism is dead, and you know, the Courier Post and shit like that. Dave Isaac is around anymore, so you know, I'm sure that helps where you know seats open up. But like, for Christ's sake, like you have no integrity whatsoever left for who and who does not get press passes for the mighty flyers yeah. organization you know now you're just letting in random fucking dudes off the street come in to cover this team like for fuck's sake yeah it's just a it's basically hey if you you know can figure out how to write a couple sentences poorly it on the sentences. internet and and you want to come and cover the team we're going to let that happen and like at its core I think it's I think it's good. I like that they're giving people opportunities. I think that that's awesome, fantastic. At the same time, there are folks like us that don't have interest in that, and that shouldn't be considered something on a pedestal, because you know we're going to come back and criticize why it should be. Um, so I'm cool with it. I'm glad they give people opportunities. That's great. But at the same time, I don't think it makes anybody. I don't think the word credentialed is really appropriate. It doesn't mean anything to describe. Anymore. A differentiating factor between you know some publication and some commentators versus others uh it's actually not very good descriptor at all no it just it doesn't it doesn't mean anything anymore and and you know people just want to chase that and listen if that's what you want more power to you but it's not what i want yeah you, you want to, it's all volunteer stuff you know you want to go spend your time doing that for a couple of years and whatever you know it's fine and it's not like you know the old heads that have been there since you know, like the 90s probably at this point is considered an old head you know because that's when it was a special time to cover the team then because there were special things going on with special players and we just don't have that and it's like i'm not gonna go want to you know i'm not gonna go fight tooth and nail to get credential people to get are even left for from, max woman like even uh, fuck like even like 2010 at this point let alone the 90s like Kurchi. Sit up in that box. Sam. Uh, Wayne Fish is still hanging around, isn't he? Wayne. Anthony Mangione is probably up there a good bit, but he just does. Anthony does like a. Um, it's like a quarterly Flyers publication. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like a. It's kind of like a program almost. Um, it's much more in depth than that. But like Isaac's gone. Panaccio's been retired forever. Mm-hmm. Most Jordan of the guys Paul's are gone. But yeah, yeah. Who's up there? That's been yeah, true. <laughs> that's been there for more than I don't know, like a couple of years. Um, not many people. They've they, they've retired or, or moved on. Yeah. It's just ironic that they seem obsessed with controlling the communication of all of these outlets, but yet they don't understand their own communication and what they say. And how they talk to yeah. the fans and everybody that's watching their organization. Like that's 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 the fundamental key. They can sit here and listen. Nobody, I, I certainly don't like criticism. I don't take it that well. But ah, you're soft, Manny. <laughs> but but at the same time, if it's fair, then it's something to learn from and to get better at. And I don't think that they see it that way. They see it as uh, we're infallible. It's like we're the they're the Pope or something. They're the ones that do and, it right, and everyone else is wrong. Yeah, yeah. That that's yep. the that's the key quote that Anthony Sanfilippo said. That yeah. kind of yep. keeps coming. Said that on this show, and then I found that firsthand for the fucking Pride Night thing. Yeah. And what's funny about you know the criticism 
with respect to the franchise over that's intensified over the past several years is that I, most people who have been a fan of this team, like probably 99% would admit that for most of the existence of the Flyers, they were considered a model franchise. Yeah. Like I was attracted to this franchise and more so than other Philadelphia teams and other teams nationwide because the Flyers did things right. And I knew that they, at the end of the day, you know, you can't you can't force the future, but you can do things right. And if you do that, it's worth watching. You may not always win the cup, but if you do things right, that's the team that I want to support and be behind. And everybody would say that they were a model franchise, and they've they've gone so far down so quickly since those days. That's why we're so pissed off. It's not just like. We haven't been this way our whole life. I was never like this towards the Flyers. No, ever. No. I was like Mr. I was Mr. Flyer, Mr. Positivity. This team is is great. I had very, very little negative criticism against the Flyers organization at all. You were a long term season ticket holder as well. Yeah. I got into them because well, I got into the season tickets because I was like, Okay, this seems like a good time to get in because the team is resetting. I trust what they're doing. I think they have the right people in the front office. Um, I'm willing to let this go Oops. because the Flyers always <laughs> choose right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. But, like, that's the level of confidence that I had in this team. And you can see how far, you know, that has turned over the years with, if you've been listening to us for a while, you can sense, you know, how difficult it's been and how much negativity. Well, not negativity. I don't even like to call it negativity. Just, I just be call realistic. It realistic. Oh, yeah. It's just, I, I've heard the fucking negative Dan, you know, that term has been coined forever because I didn't believe in Dave Axel as a head coach. You know, that's where that stemmed from originally. It's like, hmm, you know, I've never fucking, I realize I may take the more negative approach than more people do, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm not wrong very often. Like, a lot of the things that I say about this team are just fucking true, you know. I don't know. It's, what a sad state of affairs. It's this just... team is, they've rolled over, you know, we've kind of been forecasting what's been happening with this team for a number of years now. Yeah. And we've been right more often than not. And the team itself seems to be voluntarily rolling over into its own grave that we've kind of verbally dug for them. It's but stuff we talked about it. in like 2019 too. Like the, the, the attendance issues first started popping up in 2019 and we, we you know the thing, it's just this is not stuff that just happened this is stuff that has been building up for years the great collapse of the Philadelphia Flyers you know this is not something that just happened to this season cuz they're bad this has been shit that's been building for 3 4 5 6 years now you know and people are just fucking tired of it that's you're get having having fans throw in the towel. It's why people are canceling their season tickets. It's not just a one-off occasion of them being bad and they're going to retool and be good next year. You know, it's you've been trending in the wrong direction for far too long now. You know, the mystique of the Hextall era that kept people you know under wraps for far longer than it should have to begin with. I mean, people just recently started giving up on the Hextall idea, admitting that it wasn't very good. But I mean, for Christ's sake, like. Anybody with their eyes open, you know, I, I, the first time I kind of gave up on the Hextall era was the summer of 2015 when they did not acquire Kessel or Oshi when they were respectively traded for fucking peanuts. 
And that pissed me off because you had Giroux, Voracek, Couturier, Simmons, Shen at the time. Like, you had all those guys and you weren't actively making the roster better. That's immediately when I threw in the towel at the Hextallier. We were a year in and then I was pissed off already, you know, because you weren't making your team better. And what happened? You waited around, and you waited around. You never made the roster better, and your draft picks ended up sucking, most of them. You wasted the career of Wayne Simmons. You wasted the peak of Claude Giroux. You wasted the peak of Sean Couturier. For what? For fucking what? Absolutely nothing! To be worse off than you were when you started with the Hextall era. (laughs) It's just... How far things have fallen... They've lost... They've lost credibility in basically every single yes. every single category. Yeah. Credibility, that's and a good word. That's the problem with it is that, you know, you're willing to give organizations second and third chances, but they've failed so miserably in, in all categories that I cannot even get on board with anything that they're doing. I don't even understand what they're doing anymore. <laughs> I don't Nobody think they does. know what they're doing. No. So they've pushed us to an extent of virtual apathy at this point. And that's on them. You know, that's on them. Yeah. Because we were, we've all been there for them. We've spent the money. We've spent the time, invested the emotions. And at some point, the buck's got to stop with them. And the fans, we've just had enough. And I've become much more disinterested. Since my breaking point was the Scott Fletcher press conference from January, that as you guys know, we had you know a lot of private DMs that we talked on the show. That set me off to such an extent that I just I've like given up. <laughs> I don't even know. I can't get mentally into this team as much as I was because this team has no credibility and they don't know what they're doing. And I'm done. They've exhausted the patience. So there's one other thing I wanted to uh, touch upon here was the Noah Cates quote. Uh, the good leadership on the team, but there's no winning mentality or whatever the fuck. See if I can find that thing. Uh, uh, no energy swagger, no winning mentality that teams have. But he went on to talk about how the leadership was good. And it was one of those things where I read that quote and just went, what? (laughs) (laughs) And that called back to the 13 game losing streak when the they did the post game interview uh, on NBCSN. NBC. Yeah, there we go, NBCSN. Um, and Scott Lawton goes, "Yeah, you know, we I got to credit our leadership group for getting us through this." And it's like, hold up a second, you're crediting your leadership group for leading you through a 13 game losing streak. That doesn't make any goddamn sense, now, does it? And Kate said the ex- no. Kate, who's been here for eleven games, by the way, is saying the exact same thing. And it's like, how can you have good leadership if you are not winning? If you don't have a winning mentality? If there's no energy in the room? And I realize it's just the time of year. You're long after eliminated from the playoffs. They're just going through the motions to get through the fucking season at this point. I understand that, but like at the same time, like. Man, this boat is sinking, but we have a great captain. You know, like what the fuck are you trying? What 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 does this mean? I was mind blown when I read that quote. I'm mind blown that we've heard this multiple times of different people this season. It's he's a kid. 
He's a college kid that just he's got here. 22, 23, whatever the fuck he is. It's it's terrible. And Dan, you had a great article on brotherlypuck.com on this recently that just hit all of the checkpoints about how confusing and just ludicrous this mentality is. And it goes back to stuff that we have have discussed about these guys thinking that leadership equates to simply being friendly to yeah. one another. And if, and if we do that, then everything's fine. That's unfortunately not what being what a good teammate is in this league. Like, it's failed. They've apparently had the greatest locker room ever, and everybody's loved each other for years. And you can see what it's gotten them. Is it, it's, it's allowed bad habits to continue. It's allowed lack of preparedness to continue. Um, it's, it's, it's allowed a host of other problems to continue throughout the years because nobody wants to step up. Nobody wants to be the bad cop. Uh, and that's not, that's not conducive to professional sports. We've seen, and we've heard it, you know, with all of these guys in the room now, and apparently management's okay with it because they don't care either at this point. It's mm-hmm. baffling. It was the, <clears throat> it's like the old guard, I think had so much control, the Giroux and Voracek and Couturier of the, I think they had so much control, but it was such piss poor leadership that you poisoned the current core, the Konechny, Sanheim, Provorov, yes. Lindblom. And because yes. of that, even though now that Drew and Voracek are gone, this current core is poisoned too, right? Like, th- there was a generational yes. gap there yes. between what was before and what comes next. Mm-hmm. And it's why it's why I'm so hell-bent on getting rid of guys like Konechny this summer, mm-hmm. is so you can let Allison and Forrester and mm-hmm. you know Tippett come in and kind yeah. of develop their own thing. And Farabee, if you're going to coronate him the next captain eventually. Like, mm-hmm. let them develop their new leadership you know let this team kind of flourish in a different direction versus trying to salvage what was fucked up with Provorov and Konechny and Sanheim like there's there's and again I always preface this by saying we're not in the room but at the same time like at some point it just boils down to this is pretty obviously what's happening right there's something seriously wrong in the room and whether this theory is directly, you know, it or not, like something's wrong, something's seriously wrong. And you got to fucking cut this cancer out of this goddamn room and try and salvage what you can here. It is just anybody that's been here for fucking four or five plus years at this point should be gone. Just get rid of fucking anybody that's had any kind of tenure here whatsoever and start again with these young kids. Let them flourish. Let them figure it out for them fucking selves. Bring in a few leaders from around the league if you have to. It would be fucking nice if Ryan Ellis were here in a situation like this. But, you know, just... you, you If they name Sean Katuri captain and you continue this charade for eight more years! Like, fuck! You know, it's, it's, it, the whole thing's gonna collapse. And one of the things that made this even worse is that the organization, particularly under Hextall, and it's taken Fletcher a couple of years to get going too, is the refusal to bring in meaningful players outside of the organization. Yeah. That's been such a problem, and it has allowed the the Jerus and the Voracheks and their style of leading to continue and get passed down to another group 
where there's no one else coming in to change the state unchecked. of affairs. Yeah. It goes unchecked because it's like, well, we have we have the same core group of players for, for a long period of time. Then we bring up another core group of players internally and just let them do what the prior group did because that's how it's always been done. And it's exacerbated tremendously by the refusal to bring in meaningful external players. Bringing in like a Dale Weiss and a fucking Laterra and shit and McDonald <laughs> isn't going to do shit because they're not meaningful players. No. They're not going to take an active role in changing the way the team conducts itself. And when you bring in complementary depth players like that every few years, that's not changing the locker room dynamic. Those guys aren't built to do that stuff. It takes the guys at the top of the food chain to set the tone. And when you have the same guys at the top of the food chain, year in and year out, the same fucking shit every damn year, you pass on the bad habits from one generation to another generation. And that's the fear here, is that a lot of these guys have learned from the Jerus and the Couturiers and the Voracek's and like, you know, those guys were all friends with each other. They ran the locker room in a very certain way, in a very unsuccessful way. And that's the indoctrination that this new crop has gotten yeah. when they've come to yep. the Flyers. It's it, like, I don't think it's a coincidence shit fell apart when Pronger retired and Tiemann left and Hartnell left. Like, that era, you know, the 2011, 12, 13 groups were still semi put together. It's like when they were gone and Giroux, Voracek, Couturier, like, they were kind of on their own struggled for a few years and then fucking Wayne Simmons left and shit really hit the fan, you know, like whatever was wrong. Like I loved all those guys as players individually, but it's clear they weren't good leaders. It's clear that whatever they were doing wrong has poisoned this next generation and is leading to the further, you know, de-evolution of this stupid team. Uh, it, it just, it all boils down to, I think, what went wrong in that room. And it, it's why these baffling quotes from Scott Lawton and Noah Cates come around. Of, we got great leaders here. It's like, how is that possible? How can you have great leaders, but you fucking suck so bad? That's not what good leadership is. You're all just fucking friends. It's like a fucking beer league, you know? We are just friends. We come together three times a week and play hockey and get our asses kicked, but God damn it, we have fun. You know? It's the NHL, for Christ's sake. Didn't Hayes just have a quote the other day about making, oh, we get paid millions of dollars to be players. We don't want to be here. We should be here. I'm like, then go the fuck home because you clearly don't want to be here right now. Fuck, man. Like, I don't know. How the fuck, how... I guess Ron Hextall just let everything go unchecked under his tenure at the main roster, so it makes sense, but like, holy shit. What a fucking disaster this is turning out to be. And, and it's stuff that... You can only kind of now see the entire ramifications of stuff that may not have been obvious at the time, but now that you can look back on the last 10 years of going from the Cup era, which had all those veteran players on it, to the Hextall era, where you filled those veteran players with Boyd Gordon and Dale Weiss and Yori Laterra and all that bullshit, to whatever you're doing now, where the guys that were coming up in that era, the Connecting Program Sandheim, are fucking worthless because they don't know how to be leaders at the NHL level because they never learned from the right people. People, and there's still nobody on this team that knows how to lead because they didn't bring in any proper veterans right now. God. And, and not only do they not know how to lead, they don't know how to win. Yes. Yep. That's a big part of it, too. Like the guys that you brought up from Lehigh Valley, they weren't winning. Their team's been pretty shitty for some years now. Four or five years. I know. think they really need they to They just got eliminated from the playoffs tonight, I think. 
Yeah, they really need to focus on getting Lehigh Valley back to let's get our AHL team worth a shit. You know, like let's let's figure out if we can do that and get these guys some success and win because that's part of development. But to your both both your points, friends don't stab you in the back. They stab you in the front. They need to get in each other's face and say, you know what, what were you doing in that shift over there? Like, you need to be better. You know what? I need to be better. You need to tell me that I need to be better. We need to be better. They need to be honest and brutally honest with each other. And you know what? Just let it all out. And you could still be friends, but you got to be teammates. And if you're not willing to do those things together and it help each other get better and improve, then you're going to stay mediocre together. That's just the reality. Yeah, it's exactly right, Manny. And it's the things, it's these, it's it's these bad habits that we see so frequently. Like, for example, like the shootout stuff, which has been no secret. They've been utterly putrid at for years now. Like <laughs> at some point, brought on. <laughs> yeah, like at some point, if you're one of the leaders on the team, why don't you get the guys going and say, "Guys, this is bullshit. We suck at this. Everybody's staying after practice." I want to see everybody's top three moves executed five times on this goal right now. Like, if you're a player. Because the coach may not want to do that. But as a player, get a sense of pride. Yeah. Like, you should be embarrassed with what this fucking team is doing under your tutelage. Get everybody's ass together. Stay after practice. Work on the moves. We have to execute. We're losing out on points. Same thing with, for example, like two-on-ones. The Flyers fucking suck. On two-on-ones, they pass to hell and back. They don't get shots <laughs> off. They don't score. At some point, the leader's got to say, look, guys, this is embarrassing. Nobody's shooting the puck. We're staying after practice. We're going to execute two-on-ones for the 45 minutes until we get it right and we know what we're doing and can communicate. Like Those are just two examples I can think of off the bat that good leaders would not let go unchecked. Those items have been unchecked for years. 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 Like, it's not just like a half-season problem or, you know, lack of talent here or something. It's just these are are permeated. They are constant throughout every year of Flyers hockey. And those are the things that build up this, this lack of goodwill with people, this annoyance with people, and leads to apathy because no one is taking charge to fix the problems. Well, if there's no leadership on the ice, why should there be, though? Because coaches don't hold anybody accountable and when they do they fucking turn into a bunch of piss babies and give up on them like they did with av right (laughs) yep av tries to hold them accountable and they all gave up on him for fucking questioning him right and the ownership and the gm and the front office they they're busy fucking putting in sound system to deafen the fans they don't give a (laughs) shit what's going on on the ice yeah they're they're busy asking the players for input what kind of music what kind of tunes do you guys want to hear Will that lead to wins? Yeah. No. Do you want your circus trans played where you fucking warm up? 